Is Disney Plus about to change movies forever? Plus, Warner Brothers and AT&T has dropped a nuclear bomb on DC Comics. All this on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 111 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me on the phone, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hey, Brian. It looks like we're having Bilbo's birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah. 11-y, we're 11 11-y-one. 11-y-one. Yes, a Bilbo's birthday. So I, we should actually be a little farther along episode-wise, but of course, you know, yeah. the Rona. The Rona had to Rona. Had, had to stick her nose in everything, but uh, we keep trucking along. The world came to a pause. Yep. So, uh, guardian of of a parking lot once again, but glad that you're here with us today. Bunch of stuff to talk about. It seems ridiculous to say, "Man, the world's going crazy," but <laughs> the world's going crazy for sure. But before we get into all of that, I know that we were we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you were excited about a little piece of news with Amazon and the boys because there was an announcement. Yes, Jensen Ackles of Supernatural is coming over to the boys starting season three. He's going to be playing Soldier Boy, mm-hmm. and um, you know I I always figured that a lot of the Supernatural cast would end up on the boys because of Eric Kripke. And, you know, we've already got Jim Beaver and maybe a couple of others. But what is really interesting, which I forgot about, and was actually Kevin that reminded me that Jensen Ackles was in the running to be Captain America, but because of Supernatural, he couldn't handle the schedule. So now he is actually going to be on the boys playing the, the kind of Captain America parallel in the boys, which is Soldier Boy. Right. So, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. It was interesting to see what was going to happen, you know, with since, of course, Supernatural is going away and, you know, what the actors would be doing afterwards. And I, and I think, you know, that's I think that's really good casting there. And, I mean, of course, season two should be coming out here really soon. And yeah, it's not... It's gr- 16th, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, they've already started doing trailers for everything. And so I'm really, really excited for that, for sure, because, of course, I'm a big fan of The Boys. The yeah. season one was just crazy go nuts. And that was before we were living in an apocalyptic world. That season, you know, that's, you know, that's going to season up this, the the flavor really, really good with that, you know, with that in our in the back of our minds as we're watching season two. But I'll also mention something else that it was a bit of a shock to me, but I was really happy to hear about. If you're, from, of course, familiar with Big Finish that does basically audio dramas of Doctor Who. And, of course, uh, Paul McGann, uh, most of his adventures as Doctor Who, of course, were, were Big Finish. Because, of course, he only had the TV movie and that little short right. that he appeared in. Mm-hmm. But, of course, he's, as, as the Doctor, he's had a, an unbelievable career as the doctor and of course they've brought back old, uh, older doctors and of course Tom Baker's been recording a lot of episodes of new episodes of of Doctor Who as audio dramas but this is what they had just announced this week 
that they're going to be bringing back Christopher Eccleston to do the Ninth oh, Doctor. Wow. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, I I was shocked that that was that they were able to do this, but I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, of course, everybody that knows you know Eccleston's background. Of course, he he brought right. New Who. He was like the first doctor in the new series. And yeah. even though he was only there for one season, I mean, he really started this, you know, brought Who back to television. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, he'd had a bad experience with it, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, and he said the behind the scenes and everything. And, you know, here lately, we've been hearing a lot, lot of that about, you know, all kinds of people, talk show hosts and yeah. different, you know, different celebrities just having and impossibly difficult like background backstage kind of experience being around them so i hate that he went through that and i hope that this kind of takes the sour note off of his experience with doctor who i hope this really you know gives him a a better experience well i mean in recent years he's been doing uh, doctor who conventions and and appearances and of course, the the fans have been very, you know, very warm and welcoming to him and, you know, grateful. And he's gotten to see, I think, in a real sense, the good side of, of you know, his time on Doctor Who. Even though behind the scenes, it, it was pretty miserable for him. The fans really support him. And the fact that, of course, now with Big Finish gives him the opportunity to do more with the with the Ninth Doctor. I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see what they eventually release with uh, Christopher Eccleston. So that's I think that's going to be awesome. You know, there's there's good news out there in the in the geek world. I'll say this also on a personal note. Eventually, I'm going to stop going on Kickstarter. <laughs> no, you won't. But in no, the meantime. A, a game that I supported has just funded. It's called It Came From Beyond the Grave. It's an it's basically a tabletop role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons, but the mm-hmm. world is basically 70s cinema horror. So mm-hmm. you're so you're playing those kind of characters, you know, and uh, fighting, you know, dealing with monsters and you know, it's a lot of that 70s sort of exploitation horror. Yeah, that, that blood uh, horror. I love it. Oh yes! Brilliant. At the time of this recording, the uh, Kickstarter just ended, and it it more than funded itself. So, probably sometime next year, I'll be getting rule books and all that for for that game. And I also saw another uh, another game that I'm backing, which is a, a, an RPG tabletop game in the world of Hellboy. So it's an Hellboy RPG. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I think there's like a couple of weeks left on that one, but uh, I've pledged to that. And uh, where were you? Why didn't you stop me? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like there's just too much good stuff going on on on, on Kickstarter at this moment. And I'm, you know, buying all this stuff. It's like, well. You need to put a parental block on your uh, your computer. Yeah. On all of them? (laughs) Well, that's the thing too. It's like I'm either gonna I'm either gonna spend more money on games than I should, or I'm gonna kick myself for not being able to. to you know, it's like, oh, I would have totally got that one. So uh, it's it's I'm torn. I am torn for sure. Of course, I we will definitely talk about those games when I get a chance to see them. I mean, uh, the '70s horror game is right up my alley, and I'm hoping one day, one day. We're going to be able to get together again and play, but we'll see how that goes. 
But the, let's talk a little bit about Disney Plus and what I what I've come to refer to as the Mulan experiment. Now, probably everybody listening knows about this already, but uh, Mulan was supposed to get a wide theatrical release, but there aren't theaters at this point. And so, but they Disney Plus has decided to put it on their streaming service. However, it's not set up the same way as everything else. You're not just going to get to watch Mulan because you have Disney Plus. They're going to charge twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> to uh, to watch Mulan, but it, it's a single license. It's basically a permanent license, so I mean, you don't have to pay it every time you want to watch it. You, it's like buying a DVD. Buying so. a DVD, got it. Right, so you pay twenty nine ninety nine, and you can watch Mulan all that you want. However, of course, you have to have a Disney Plus subscription. If your subscription runs out, you're not going to get to watch Mulan anymore until you go back and get a, get a subscription, you know, re, re-up your subscription, so... It's like manic panic hair dye. It's semi-permanent. <laughs> so it's a semi-permanent price. You get Mulan, but there's a there's maintenance involved. So that's kind of how that works. And to my mind, I'm looking at this as this is a I think in in the case of Marvel and Disney, this is a this is an experiment. I think they Mulan is going to be for them an experiment to see how this how this goes. Now, I know a lot of people in the Asian-American community are disappointed because this, of course, this movie was an, an all-Asian cast, which you know, Hollywood traditionally, when they do Asian movies, for some reason, they cast Americans as the Asians, yep. especially in the leads. But if this movie would have been, you know, successful and, and made a billion dollars like a lot of the Disney movies have made in, in theaters, that would, you know... Hollywood at that point would have to say, "Hey, look, we can we can make movies with with Asian actors, and they will make money." And so the fact that it's not going to get the opportunity to do that to get a release in theaters, I think there might be a, like a limited release somewhere in some markets, but for the most part, it's going to be Disney Plus. But I can I can definitely see people's disappointment in the fact that it's not going to get a wide theatrical release, especially if it doesn't do very well. Yeah, and I, I figured that, you know, it, it was in 3D, and that was going to be a big thing, getting to, you know, go to the theater and put on the glasses and see all those amazing fight scenes. Oh, yeah. And that's I guess that's going to be a question. I don't figure there's going to be a DVD, uh, there's going to be a 3D version of it that you can watch, you know, at home. Because, I mean, there's there, there's a few of us weirdos that have 3D TVs, but we're few and far between. You know, a lot of 3D content's just not available, and it may not be just with the bandwidth it would probably take to to watch it in 3D. It might not be worth their while. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's going to be a major disappointment, not being able to see, you know, those arrows just raining down in 3D. That would have That would have been really cool. But to my mind, I think... I, I call this the Mulan experiment because I think that Disney and specifically Marvel is going to look at this movie very closely because I think it's going it's an experiment and it's a test run to see if you know if they if it turns out that that Rona decides to stay around a little longer can they release Black Widow the same way would it be worth their while I I really think this is that Mulan is a test run for this Again, it's kind of unfair because, again, you know, twenty nine ninety nine. It's not a majorly expensive price, but it's more expensive than Trolls World Two. 
Well, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it did. It definitely did. It definitely did well. But you know, if if this experiment doesn't work, you know, I think it ha- it would have a lot more to do with the circumstances around the movie and not the movie itself. And I, my hope is that the movie doesn't get any kind of blowback where it's well, this didn't do very well. Maybe it was because you know this it's it doesn't have a, a whole you know doesn't have wide range appeal because it's an all Asian cast, which of course that would just be. I I think that's a completely unfair thing to lay onto this film because there's a lot of things going going on that make this very difficult. If for no other reason than they spent like a hundred million dollars to make this film, and being able to recoup all that cost in streaming is going to be difficult. It's is going to be really difficult. And I know, I would say for sure that part of why Disney put as much money into this film as they did is because I'm sure they were expecting a, a, a lot of money coming in from China, that the, that the box office in China was going to be massive. And so I don't know how that's, I don't know how that's going to work now because I, I don't know if Disney Plus is even available in China, much less, you know, how many people in China have, have Disney Plus. And so... I don't know how that basically works, but I know I would bet anything that that uh, Disney was counting on a massive box office in China to to help uh, get that get the film over the top, and that doesn't look like that's going to be a possibility anymore. So, but there's something to be said about films that you know have a, have a slow build and 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 build a following and continue to make money you know over time. But Hollywood is just not they're, – they're just not wired to be able to to do things like that and be able to wait on a film to to pay out. And so, I mean, I don't know. This is going to be one of those things you just kind of – you know, we just watch the numbers and see what – and see what uh, what's going to happen. And I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, what, what would you – what are your opinion on this right now? What, do you, what are you thinking from your end? I'm kind of the same way. I'm, I'm not sure, you know. Obviously, Tour did very well, but it's not as expensive as this, as this film. You didn't have to buy a higher subscription to get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I, personally, I got Disney Plus for Hamilton, and I stuck with it for The Mandalorian. So I've got Disney Plus, but I'm probably not going to, you know, get Luan, you know, just because I'm not, I'm not really that excited about it so but that's there's the others oh yeah i mean it looks like it was a, it looks like it would be a great film but you know again i if it was in a theater i'd definitely go see it you know mm-hmm. wa- watching it at home and there's no real and again there's no real urgency also with seeing mulan because it's not like it's going to be in theaters for a certain amount of time and then it's going to go away you know that you put mulan up to the streaming service and there's no urgency. It's not going away. They're not going to take it down. And so you can watch it at any time. And so it's like, eventually you get around to it. It's like, well, do I got 30 bucks? Am I burning a hole in my pocket? Sure. I'll go watch Mulan. But there's, <laughs> but there's, there's no impetus to necessarily do it right away. You know, not like in a, not like in a movie theater. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's really shaky. And like I said, a lot's resting on this film as far as 
whether or not they decide to, I, I think in a real sense, they're looking at this as, well, if this does well, maybe we can we can go ahead and release Black Widow the same way. But if it doesn't do well, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to hold on to it. But then again, and I, I think this is maybe a bit too hopeful, but at this point, they're still saying that New Mutants is getting a, a theatrical release. And they're saying like the, you know, maybe the end of, end of September or so. But I don't know. It's been months and months, obviously, since, you know, all this stuff started. And everybody's getting tired and everybody's ready for this to be over. But I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know if September is going to be enough time. Because September is going to be, it's going to be a rough month. Because there's this big push all over the country to get kids back in school. And I think once that happens, you know, it's either, there's a really good possibility of all this blowing up in all our faces. You know, if they got kids back in school and they start getting sick. There's already been a news article about a Christian camp that they, ha- they had uh, summer camp. And the majority of the kids there came down with coronavirus. And took it home to their, you know, to their families. And so I'm wondering if they're not pushing things a little bit. But at the same time, it's just, you know, it's at this point, everybody's, everybody is, they're, they're struggling to get content, you know, and, and get content out there because I'm obviously with everybody stuck at home for the most part, content is more, content is king anyway, but more so now than ever. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, movie uh, studios sitting on movies that you know that they're trying to figure out what do we do with them because if it's not worth their time you know if it's if they're not going to make enough money in a streaming service or whatever to to recoup the cost that uh, they have in the film you know there's no point you know they're better off kind of holding off and and seeing what happens. I think eventually movie theaters will open, but I don't know when that's going to be, and it may be a long time. I mean, I mean, at least until we get to the point where there's some sort of a vaccine, I think, for coronavirus. Until there's a vaccine for COVID, I don't think things are going to change too awfully much. And also, I have to say that, of course, the flu vaccine is, is now coming out and a lot of people are, are rushing to get the flu vaccination because the last thing you want is flu and COVID at the same time. You're right. You know, so a lot, I mean, like I said, they're already now starting to do, you know, flu vaccinations. And of course, I'll be getting mine very soon as well because, yeah, you know, got mine. yeah, because <laughs> there's, you know, there's no point in playing around. This is, this is, you know, we're living, we're we're living in different times. This is this is not the time we're going to pass on on uh, on your flu vaccine. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff is up in the air, and and people are, you know, panicking because they don't know. They're trying to figure out this new economy and figure out well how do you know how do we navigate in this new economy? And on the subject of that, oh man, did DC get hit hard? Yeah, that's not sounding like a like a good situation. No, well, <laughs> so, yeah. So basically, what wound, what happened was there was all this talk. Of course, AT and T wound up buying off a big chunk of Warner Media, 
including DC Comics. And there was all these rumors, oh, well, AT&T wants to get out of the publishing business. And we've talked about that on the podcast. But this week, good Lord, they dropped the axe on DC. 25% of their workforce was laid off. 25%. A bunch of comics have been canceled. It's like close to like like the bottom 20 to 25% of, of comics are no longer being published. They've they've basically canceled their runs. Like a depression in the comic business. Yeah, but people were fired out of comics. They were fired out of their uh, out of the collectibles group and DC Online, their streaming service. They they fired a bunch of people out of there. And it looks like the shows that were on DC Online are going to go either to CW or to HBO Max, which Warner Media owns. And so they're going to basically just shut down the, the DC Universe streaming service and just basically divide the properties up, you know, between CW and HBO Max. Some of the DC Universe shows are already are already showing up on uh, HBO Max. I think, like, trying to remember, but I think I think a lot of the uh, the more adult shows, I think, like oh. the Har- Harley Quinn show, I think, is already showing up on HBO Max. I mean, the thing about it is that one one thing that I, I have to say about the, this whole this whole deal, is, of course, DC's been in a they've been in a mess for a while. Of course, we've talked about the fact that they got out of Diamond Distributing and had their had a, a smaller distributor, and there was issues with the distributor, and they stopped ta- the distributor stopped taking phone calls, and of course, you know. We're living in a, I mean, we're living in a world now where, I mean, trips to the comic book shop are few and far between. There was a lot of this talk about going mostly digital or strictly digital and, you know, which some comic fans like and others want comic books. But, you know, you know, what are you going to do in that situation? And, of course, now you've got a bunch of people who've, who've been fired and one thing I do need to bring up because I keep hearing this all over the place is that there I, I see commentators out there who are in a real sense kind of happy about all this because they feel like they've been vindicated because they've been they've been really upset that D, that DC Comics has been as they put it social justice warriors and I have heard more than one commentator make the comment you know stay woke, get broke, you know, and make the comment that, you know, if you, that the type of stuff that they were doing goes against, you know, comic books, you have more women comics or you have uh, people of color in comics. And, and, and again, it's, it's, I think uh, to, to their mind, it's like you're, you're shoveling social justice warrior stuff down people's throats and it, well, they don't want I just, it. Well, my, my thing is, I mean, have these people been reading comic books? For the last eighty years, I mean that's what comic books are. They are social social justice. Oh, for sure. You know, if, even if not warrior, they're still uh, you know metaphor. Oh, exactly. Uh, well, I mean I'm... that's that's what our storytelling has been, and that's you know uh, I mean I think that's where Bill Maher always fell short when talking about comic books that he doesn't understand that it's our literature. Yeah. In a real sense. And the thing about it is when you're talking about good and evil, you're going to talk about morals, you know, and morale, uh, the whole the whole thing. You're going to I mean, that is the subject of what you're talking about when you're talking about comic books. 
you have a lot of these commentators online kind of licking their lips going, see, I told you, told you this was going to happen. I told you, you know, but the thing about it is, and is, you know, Marvel's doing fine and they're being accused of the same thing. But, you know, again, these commentators are saying, well, you know, yeah, Marvel may be doing the same thing, but they're protected by Disney. Although I, let's be honest, Disney is, you know, Disney is not in the habit of catering to, to, to anything that's not making money. And, mm-hmm. and comic books are getting hit across the board. And, I, and, and in my personal opinion, I don't think it has as much to do with, you know, so, you know, so-called social justice warrior ideals getting into comics. I think it has a lot more to do with the fact that the world's just changing and how we absorb our stories in comics is different. I, now, now our main, our main source of, of comic book storytelling is movies. Or at least it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, obviously, that's changed. Oh, wait. I mean, let's look at the way Handmaid's Tale was taken. You know, it was written in 1985 and was barely blinked at. They put it on screen in 2018, and, you know, the world's so proud about it and saying how, you know, how it's, it's propaganda and all this stuff. And, Oh, it's like this is it's thirty years old. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know that's that's the thing too is that I mean all the the comic book companies have got to figure out ways of of telling and retelling their stories. I mean, best example and oh I've I've, I've been enjoying this so far, but I have an Audible dot com account and they just released an audio book of Sandman, a brand new Sandman audio book with you know narration you know, different actors playing different roles in it. So, and it's basically a retelling of of the Sandman comics with Neil Gaiman as the narrator. So you got to love it. And it's awesome. It's it's fantastic. Like I said, it's basically a retelling of, you know, the original Sandman comics, you know, in an audio drama form. Yeah, I heard about that. I think it's got like Judy Dench and a whole bunch of people. Oh, there, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's really solid, you know. They got a solid voice cast, and I mean it was put together really well. And the thing about it is that type of storytelling is effective in any aspect. But the fact that it's easy to put together, and people can record, you know, their parts in their homes, and you don't have to deal with cameras and camera crews and all of that, and you can do you can do drama in an audio form, and it's. I mean, it's easy to do, and it's convenient, but it's also effective. And, you know, again, content is king. And so things like, you know, things like that, like the audiobooks, may be something to, to look into. But, again, it's like any business. You know, you, you evolve or you die. I mean, even if there hadn't been coronavirus, I mean, D.C. was in some problems. They were having problems, for sure. And, you know, they had to come up with something. It's just that, you know, COVID has basically forced everybody's hand in every, every branch of business. Everybody's having issues right now. Everybody is scrambling to figure out, well, how do I, how do I maintain my business in this changing world? You know, people are having to uh, face certain uh, situations at this point that they didn't have to deal with before. But now, you know, you can't, you you can't turn away from it. You know, you can't just ignore it for now because, because again, the world's changing, and everybody's scrambling to keep their businesses afloat in in a in a really weird situation. And so, honestly, you know, twenty twenty 
didn't make things worse for comics. It just sped up the process. And so, and I don't know if, like I said, firing 25% of your workforce, they're saying they're not, you know, this is a reorganization, that comic books are not going away, but... And of course, you had Jim Lee, who who used to be the editor in chief, but who's now like a chief creative officer, still the chief creative officer, but no longer like an editor in chief of of the comics. You know, he was he was coming out saying, "Well, you know, comic books aren't going to go away. We're gonna we're gonna continue to do, you know, what we've been doing." Although, again, they've canceled a bunch of comic books, and you know, other comics they said they're going to make them digital only. So there's only, like I said, so much you can do. But that being said, you know, again, it's like, what what's going to happen next? You know, and there are a lot of people out there saying that this isn't the end of what's going on at, at DC, that we're just seeing the beginning of it. And there's no telling. There's no telling what's going to happen next. So, uh, but we'll, well, I guess we'll see. see. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But we will definitely talk about it as, as we go on. Uh, but before we go, one thing also to mention, because I... Of course, this will probably this will probably have already happened by the time this podcast comes out. But at the time that we're recording, a couple of days away from the twenty second, and the twenty second is DC Fandom, which is their online convention where they're going to talk about all the new stuff that's happening. And okay, yeah, that's going to be something to watch because after all this has happened, I'm interested to see what they've got to say because this is supposed to you know. Because, again, everybody's saying bloodbath, and they're wondering, oh, what are they going to do next? What are they going to do now? And, I mean, the the 22nd, and, it, again, it's going to be online, and it's going to be free for, I think, it, they're going to put everything up for 24 hours. Then they're going to basically uh, take it offline. But for 24 hours, you know, you can watch all everything that's going, uh, everything that they put out. So, that being said, I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, following that just in, just to figure out what the heck is going to go, what the heck is going on here. But I guess we'll find out. We'll definitely talk about it uh, once we know something and get the news. So, and so with that said, we come to the end of episode 111 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.